Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar. You're listening to Talking Smack, superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. And joining me this week against his will is Lewis. Lewis, thank you so much for finally coming on the show. And I mean, I was on the first ones, unless that's predated stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's all available, but you've been really hesitant to make the time to be on the show. So I'm giving you a little bit of shit. uh, Give me shit all you want. That's that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm a parent um, and I have yet to with one child have yet to figure (laughs) out time management. So kudos to you with a third and uh, being able to do this. I yeah, no. My my child's at grandma's tonight. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it is all about the partnership. My partner, she takes care of them for 45 minutes to an hour every day. And then I just sacrifice sleep, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of, but I do it for the fans, the whole seven people listening to us. <laughs> sacrifice. Yeah, no, I, I get you. But no, it, it's by the time kids down, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a late retail worker. So by the time kids down, I, it's. It's decompressed, and both the wife and I just, just no, no energy for anything. So I, I hear you. If I still was in in that kind of retail business, I would, I would be done every day too. It's just such a mental grind. Yeah, it, it's different than what you and I were used to back in the day when we both worked together. But yes, same, same strain applies. I've heard, the, I've heard some of those stories. People walking into your place of business, acting like it's a car dealership. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not as often. Uh, it's not as often as uh, one would think, but it does happen. But still, compared to where you and I came from, I will take that <laughs> every day and every night. I just love the idea of people walking in like, I'll pay cash. And <laughs> every like, what's the difference between that and debit anymore? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. What if I pay you cold, hard cash? Like, cool. Still costs the same. <laughs> so we doing it this? It processes or? a little faster. <laughs> hey, worse. I don't have change to dole out to you. So you still want to pay cash or what? <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to give me a big old tip. Tips are nice. Those are taxable, though, so (laughs) it's a give and take. It's not official, so there is nothing to tax. (laughs) Ha-ha. Touche. So, Lewis is here to talk about the 60th animated feature from the Walt Disney Studio company. No, division of the Walt Disney Company, (laughs) I guess, uh, to fumble over that into a small recovery. Nice. Uh, which that movie is Encanto. Mainly, the the big thing that it comes out of it is that Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the the soundtrack. It is a movie based out of Colombia, or like the setting is based out of yep, Colombia. Yep. Very well represented of its uh, indigenous people. And the the one thing I really loved about this movie, which I'm I mean I'm jumping the gun, but one thing that you kind of get with some of these movies where like kind of Moana. There are skin tone differences, but they're minor. Whereas with this one, you have lighter skinned colored people, you have darker skinned colored people, and they just live together because that's that's Colombia, that's South America, yep. that's how that area is. And that's one thing that I really loved about this movie is that it it did a great job of representing those people and not making a big deal out of it within itself. Absolutely. And that's just on surface level situation too. No no pun intended since we're talking about skin color. But yeah, it's it that's just on the surface level if you're uh, if you're actually from the area, uh, like myself, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Venezolano, uh, so I am Colombia's uh, neighbor, essentially. Uh, I did grow up there for the six, six years of my life, uh, so I do have a bit of that there in me, still in memory, still still resides in me. Uh, but yeah, it, it's what you know. If you're listening in the States, it's it's everybody's got different skin colors and different regions and dialects and all that, and uh, 
It doesn't matter. We just live in one country, and that's it. Then the the other stuff that was good there, as far as representation, was uh, in regards to the food, uh, the dress, the uh, the dresses, the, the the not just for females but for males as well, for the the building architect, all that stuff. Uh, and the unfortunate part of the you know the sad part of the story of how how the family comes to be, like that's all something that comes from the, just the violence. Uh, you know, I have I have Colombian friends who would always uh, talk about that. It's just the violence that's that that's just goes around the country. I'm, I can't speak to it now, but uh, it was definitely a big thing. When, and unfortunately, it's a big thing in a, a lot of South uh, South American countries. Not to get all negative about it. Great, great things about the uh, about the continent, obviously, but they have their flaws, just like we do over here. Well said. So, if you haven't listened to a review episode from us before, the way we do this is we talk what we liked, what we didn't like, and if we can, we'll try to avoid spoilers. No promises. But in the case of this movie. I felt like the the marketing really did not give us a lot of what this movie was going to be. And I think that is because the plot is pretty quickly evoked into the movie. It's it, The movie rolls at a pace, too. It, it, it runs off really quick. So we are going to go full spoilers on this. So if you don't want to be spoiled for Encanto, go boot up your Disney Plus watch Encanto. Come back in about an hour and 45 minutes and listen to this episode again. Yeah, I thought we were joking. I said no promises. <laughs> well I, I said no prom we don't have to worry about promises because we're saying no we're saying spoilers up josh front, i so. said no promise <laughs> <laughs> i feel threatened <laughs> i will reach through this monitor microphone i don't know anyway. internet what, what fiber cables or fiber network i don't know comcast not sponsored by comcast though comcast no, if you're listening comcast. and you're not now since he said fuck, fuck you comcast, so you know there you go <laughs> I mean, if you want to give me money to do this podcast, there's a sellout I was looking for. Higher speed internet. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Anyway, enough of that. I'll let you continue. I'll deal with those rolling promotional bullshit rates that they offer. <laughs> so, yeah, spoilers for Encanto. Tangent over. We'll start with what we liked. Lewis, please go ahead with what you liked or maybe even loved about Encanto. What I liked the movie. All right, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> no seriously though the, the 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 movie was was amazing again pretty much what i touched on in the beginning the represent the representation was amazing and and uh, when i did see the movie i actually took my son uh to go see the movie and um and invoked some reactions from him uh me being the only spanish speaker you know i, I married a, a an american woman speaks no spanish uh, my family's down in florida i'm up in the midwest he has absolutely no i am his spanish outlet and it invoked some reactions from him in Spanish, which then I gushed about sobbing in theater and then gushed about it on social media and my friends all saw that. And, and, and I guess that's why I'm here. But in any case, uh, the movie was fantastic. Again, the representation was on there. The the animation itself, right there, I just want to talk on that. Like the animation itself, there were times with the dresses, especially on, on the ladies, where I forgot I was even watching animation. I don't know. I don't know if that got caught your eye at all. While you were watching the movie, you just got entranced by the way the dresses moved and flowed naturally as possible, the way they were woven and all that stuff. Uh, so that that alone, I, I loved about the movie. The music was phenomenal. God, where do I stop, man? <laughs> like, where do you want me to go with this? There's no. There's really no real bad place to stop. You could just keep going. And uh, I don't think I quite, quite caught the the movement of the dresses. I feel like that's something Disney has really nailed for a while oh, now. Like, he, even but more the, so now. The embroidery and everything, uh, like on on Mirabelle's 
uh, costuming, for lack of a better word. The embroidery is just fantastic. Like you can see the strings and the yep. stitches. You can see the, the threading and everything. It, it's it's fantastic. Everything with Mirabel and uh, the, and the rest of the family. Like if you if you if you can go back into it, you know, load up Disney Plus and go frame by frame when you have like the big scenes and they really and when you start realizing that they're focusing the dress movement on there. Um, you can really zone in on it and just be ridiculously impressed to how much love and tender care they put just on that alone. And the fact that this movie was largely developed during quarantine is also a testament to the labor of love that a lot of Dude, these animators right? had it in it. But yeah, that's one of the things that, that that's cool about the, uh, the representation of, of the region. And you go to Reddit, you'll see people you know, also from the area actually talking about things like, oh, man, they really touched on this and they really touched on that. So uh, obviously they had people from that area working on the movie, so they were able to do that. But it's just really nice. And I'll talk to you about that later. But representation freaking matters <laughs> for anybody who says otherwise. Eat a dick. But no, besides that, obviously the music was phenomenal. Uh, pacing was a little harsh at times, like went real quick, slowed down and then sped up to a high click. As this tradition now for Disney Animation Studios and Pixar or whoever's working in animation anymore, there's that those heartstrings that they want to pull on, and they 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 nail that right as well. Uh, this time, it uh, unlike uh, you know other movies like Up, where they did it in the first three minutes, they, they held on to it towards the end at least. I, I love the heck out of this movie. You know, they're trying to do the whole representation thing. Uh, Coco did it very well as well. That was that was Pixar though. I think you know. I know you said oh with the dresses and all that. Uh, they've been getting better and better. Like yeah, it was great in Coco and with this one, holy cow, dude! Wow, it's just me gushing. I'm not a professional professional uh, a critic. So if that went everywhere and nowhere at the same time, you're correct. <laughs> we we are not professional anything's here. We just enjoy talking nerd stuff, and it's an excuse for us to actually get together and talk this stuff so that's that's what we're here for <laughs> so like yeah i i mean i'm i'm as white as the snow on the ground true uh, story just a little hairier true story <laughs> <laughs> uh but i, I mean i agree 100 i i have nieces and nephews who are half latino and uh or latinx i guess would be the the proper term yeah <laughs> i won't get into that but eh, I, I respect that but eh. i i understand that that's supposed to be the proper term so i, I want to try and use it you're good uh, that kind of representation for them, I, I really appreciate. They're older now, so maybe they don't care. But again, they, they're going to have kids someday, and maybe that will kind of trigger something for them. But I, I agree wholeheartedly that the story is fantastic. The last 10 minutes are are just a great heartstring moment. If, you're, if you have any kind of family ties at all, you're going to feel something in those last 10 minutes and it's it's fantastic the things i really enjoyed about this movie is yeah the animation's great the costuming is fantastic i mean i, I love diving into cultures of places i don't know about like that's kind of where i really enjoyed moana i really enjoyed most of that aspect of raya raya left a lot to be desired from a storytelling oh, standpoint but the, the the costuming and the the design work is fantastic in raya that that's yeah that's all raya had going for it raya was awful 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 um just <laughs> not to not to not to go into a rant about something else altogether but comparatively though man it's night stark night and day difference between uh raya and and uh, uh and encanto but at the same time i know uh, raya also suffered from being stuck in uh pandemic uh development so maybe they they got their shit down with this one i don't know i really couldn't say one thing i will i will speculate 
I, I obviously can't concede or acknowledge anything with Raya, but I do feel like there is uh, like a tonal shift in the story at some point that maybe there was a pandemic rewrite and they just were like, we're just going to go with it. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't get it at one point in the story. I got that at many different beats in this uh, as the movie played out. Just no consistency. But again, we're not here to talk about that movie. Yeah. So, uh, in com- compar- <laughs> if, comparison, Encanto's Night and Day. Then, then right. Yeah. If, the if, if we're gonna if we're gonna bash <laughs> on Raya, we need Beppo here for that one. <laughs> what did, did she did she did she like? She did not like. We're, okay, we're gonna okay. we did the uh, the lost episode. Episode twenty six was supposed to be our uh, Disney movies by era. So like our favorite movie from each era of Disney, and we got to talking mm. to. We we were talking about the uh, post Lassiter era, and we were st- we were talking about Raya, and Beppo just went off for a good like three <laughs> to five minutes, and Alex and I were just yeah. kind of like, "All right, let her roll." Which we are planning on redoing that episode. It'll be episode. I, I can't promise what episode it will be, but it'll be essentially be uh, episode like twenty six point two, and it'll just be really sometime in in the not too distant future. Uh, so the the story of Encanto I really enjoyed because to be blunt I did find some similarities to the story in Moana to Encanto where it's kind of there's a familial disagreement that in Moana it's the the problem is solved through a journey that Moana takes on her own when she could just talk to her parents <laughs> but in when in Encanto uh Mirabel does do what Moana could have done which is talk to the family and that through talking with the family, she rebuilds relationships that she didn't even know was broken and the problem is solved, which again, maybe, maybe we won't spoil it. Who knows? No, but, but the major difference there though, in comparison is that Mirabel went to, went, went to Abuelalma and tried to talk to her, but at the same time, which is very, very true of very many Latino families, the, the abuela, the grandma was both like the strength of the family and the problem in the family. So, Unlike well, Mona had the you know the, the the father who didn't want to let her do anything, but all you know if she actually tried to sit down and have a talk and not just have a teenage fit and go on her own journey, might have been, I mean about it tries and I was like no talk to the hand because this ain't you know we ain't hearing it, um, and it's it's very familiar. You talk to very many Latino families, tell you the same thing. There's this one you know either patriarch or matriarch of, of the family who like holds everything together. They always mean well. They do well. Uh, they're doing everything great, you know, good intentions for the greater good of the family. But then it's always high pressure stuff, which they talk within the uh, uh, within the movie as well with uh, um, with all the family members. Uh, like, um, oh my goodness, I forgot Luisa. Uh, for example, the pressure thing sits there. It, it rings so true with a lot of Latino families. There's always something there within the family that holds everything together, but also applies so much pressure to make sure everything's running well. That will also unknowingly push the family away uh and the family's too scared to speak up and say anything about it so when mirabelle does shit goes downhill there you go louisa is also a really great vessel for lack of a better term uh to kind of parallel what's going on with the casita where she's so strong she's able to like help out everything and anyone in the village and she's got the these internal cracks that are causing her to have like self-doubt and the casita is not having any self doubts, but because of the familial internal issues, it's causing the casita to crumble. And it's it, it she is a really good uh, meta like out external metaphor for what is happening 
but obviously she can only do so much as far as like what is happening. And to the uninitiated, uh, like Asita, that's the the the, the house. It's, it's it's literally translates to the little house, uh, which uh, there there's. We should probably give a synopsis, huh? A candle, <laughs> uh, magic candle comes up and 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 uh, uh, you know saves uh, saves the family that were running away from violence in in, in Colombia, whisks them away to this magical area, builds its own house. The people can refuge there and essentially grew into a community. Uh, the house is alive because it's being run by this magic candle and reacts to Mirabel. Mostly Mirabel, actually. I don't. I just realized that I mean, the, the house doesn't really talk to anybody else. Or try or communicate with anybody else. Yeah, she she relies more on the house, the casita, to help because she has no powers. Whereas everyone else no just powers, kind of right. is like, oh yeah, the, we have powers and we have our own special rooms that the casita gave us, but they don't really acknowledge or appreciate it at this point anymore. Exactly. Yeah, because they got their gifts, so the hell with everything else. It's 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 regular life at this point. So, but yeah, no, that's it. She definitely does represent that part of the of the entire movie and also she's she's able to throw herself into as the as the viewer yes the viewer isn't super strength but if the viewer also isn't per se um of of descent of latino descent anything like that they can understand these familial situations they can understand through her being pressured you know we've all felt some pressure before whether it's our immediate family or or or, or friends circles bosses whatever uh and that was a great moment there to to put her put the viewer into the movie to be like ah, i get what's going on at least that's how i see that you've obviously given it a lot more thought than i have as far as some of these things <laughs> i mean i i sat down and watched it on christmas eve with my family so i'm i'm a couple weeks removed from having seen this uh the movie is really wonderful and one thing that really surprised me as we talked about the the marketing wasn't really thorough with this but they did kind of show little bits here and there through the trailers and the TV spots. But the movie does largely take place within the casita and within like their little town. Uh, yeah, I was expecting Mirabelle to go on this big adventure, but she was literally just going room to room in the house, which the house is or the, the casita is also uh, kind of like a TARDIS where it can create rooms and the rooms are bigger on the inside. Right. Right, and that's 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 where the the gifts are born essentially. From the sounds of it, at every what fifth or sixth birthday, uh, abuela gives uh, the 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 upcoming to be child a candle, walking up to the uh, to the top of the steps where the casita will welcome them into their new room and thus uh, um, thus beholding them with their new gift. And then with our main protagonist Mirabel, she walks up and gets nothing. But it turns out she has her own gift within herself, which uh, in turn is keeping the family together but uh, uh but yeah essentially that's pretty cool about it. you know you open a door and you'll have you know just a, a small room with just a bunch of flowers from one of the one of the sisters you open up another room from the newly gifted uh, uh antonio who has a big like jungle room where he can talk to his animal friends and all that so so yeah it is pretty cool how it just it, it changes to suit the the the, the gifty which is kind of cool and their powers uh fun fact speaking of the animals Alan Tudyk is the voice of the toucan in this movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, he provides the uh, some of the animal noises so he can keep his John Ratzenberg style cameo appearances in Disney animated features. <laughs> That's where, amazing. Where he's John Ratzenberger is the uh, the Pixar guy. So huh. he was gotcha. Hey Hey in Moana, and he was Tuk Tuk in Raya, and now he he's just got a, a whole list of animals both fake and mythical and real 
I had no idea about that. That reminds me of Clooney being Sparky in South Park. <laughs> that's <no>. that's right. <laughs> Bringing up a 30-year reference, or almost 30 years. Hey, man. It eventually landed him the doctor role in the movie, so, you know, he really loved South Park that much. Uh, that, that Clooney guy, that South Park did so much for him. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a nobody. So uh, one thing I did want to bring up is uh, at the time of this recording, the soundtrack for Encanto has dethroned Adele's 30 as the number one soundtrack on the Billboard Top 200. And the song We crazy. Don't Talk About Bruno is like number five on the Billboard charts right now. But Disney didn't submit that song as their best original song. They did uh, Dos Ogoritos. Oruguitas. Uh, uh, or, or, Oruguitas. Oruguitas, which, which, which stands for uh, Little little Caterpillar, uh, which which astounds me. Like, I, I guess they're going for the, they submitted it because they want to go for the heartfelt sound. And I have a cat here on the side, so I apologize if you hear the cat. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess they're going for the heartfelt sounds uh, the the one that's supposed to kind of like bring you in type of situation great song don't get me wrong i was sobbing like an idiot but uh weird choice considering what the other one's doing again at the time of this recording the the golden globes have been announced and the winners have been announced so encanto won best animated feature but it did not win for the best original song with um luis dos dos oga Oh, oh. <laughs> Do, dos oruguitas. Oruguitas. I don't know why I I want to say ogu something. <laughs> ogu. <laughs> <laughs> but Billie Eilish won for her uh, No Time to Die song. That's cool. I think my reaction there kind of kind of gives it away as to why they didn't win. They chose the wrong song. <laughs> Which seems to be. I mean, when I, I think Disney's really trying to get Lin Manuel Miranda that egot. He he needs his Oscar. And so, like you're saying, they're probably trying to to play up to the sentimentalism of the voters. And I mean, Moana should have won with "How Far I'll Go." I don't remember what won that year, but "How Far I'll Go" is an amazing song, and in my opinion, should have won the Academy Award. But also, Hell, I would have I would have given it to them for "You're Welcome." I mean, uh, <laughs> <a> full stop. <laughs> like it's a dumb song, but it's a good song. I, that I mean, that would be along the lines of um, the first Suicide Squad movie winning Best Makeup. And then everyone freaking out that the suicide the the 2016 Suicide Squad is now an Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> the rocks the song The Rocks sang is now an Academy Award winning song. Hey man, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot to not like about this movie because again, our review system is what you like, what you didn't like. If I am gonna say anything about what I did not like is I really wish Disney would go back to more stylized animation. We've kind of been in this Mm. rut of Disney trying to be more natural looking with their, their animation or their, their -hmm. character designs. Like ever since Rapunzel and Tangled, we've just kind of continue continuously. Like we have more body types, especially with like Louisa being this enormous bodybuilding character. Uh, and then you've got uh, was it is it Felix is the the uncle that married into the family? Yes, yes. Um, and which, you know he's a little which, he's a shorter and a little more rotund. Which which totally reminded me of of my tío Ricardo. So that was another unintended <laughs> heartstring. Uh, may he rest in peace. Mm. Um, that 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 movie totally tugged on for me. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's I, I, I'll agree with that to a point. Um, I think what ended up happening with Disney is since Rapunzel. Uh, or tangled uh, came through like they found 
and it's something we talked about back then, you and I, that they found their their Disney art style from 2D to 3D and nailed it with Tangled. And they, they've just taken that, and that's like, it's their mold. It's it's their, their main mold. And then if you want to produce a new animated movie, you take that, and then you stylize it to a way, because you can't deny that Encanto still has its own style within the characters, not just by character build, but just... The character style, and the, the, some of them, you know, uh, Bruno has a big old schnoz. Uh, Felix is, uh, it's got the, uh, you know, his sistaki kind of look type of thing. It's it's its own style. And you look back at Moana, kind of same thing. It, it's it's its own style, but very uh, in tune to the defaults, if you will. There's an actual word for it. I'm not an animator, though I know I've heard the word. Uh, but you know, it's it's the, the the mainframe, if you will, still there. Uh, but I get what you're saying. I, I just don't know if Disney wants to rock that boat. It's working for them, you know? It's a, it's a very old school kind of mentality where I'm thinking you've got, you go from like Cinderella to Sleeping Beauty to mm-hmm. like Robin Hood. And like, those are three very different animation styles. For sure. But then you also go to The Little Mermaid in 1989 through, I mean, you could say Pocahontas is a little different because characters are a little more angular. Uh, yes. But like from... Little Mermaid 2, then I guess Aladdin. It's a very Disney look. They they kind of, like you said, they, they found that mold and they just kind of animated everything in a very similar fashion. I think the one thing, though, that Disney hasn't found... Well, no. No, it's Utopia. So, no, scratch that thought. I was about to say, like, oh, you know, the difference is with Robin Hood, you go into the whole, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the, the Animorph stuff or whatever you want to call it. Uh, anthropomorphic. And, then, and then Anthropomorphic, thank you. Uh, and then you have Lion King, which didn't do it. So I guess they, they have had that, that, that moment of change. They nailed it with Zootopia. They had their opportunity with the redo of the Lion King, but they wanted to do what? Oh, it's live action, not live action, Lion <laughs> King. Hey. I still love that they, w- they refused to submit that as a, a best animated feature because they're like, no, it's our live action movie. Freaking idiots. God. <laughs> the, the audacity of that shit, man. It sucks too because it, it, it steals some pretty good performances there uh, uh, cast-wise. Uh, just steals it out because people don't want to acknowledge that damn movie. But whatever. They did what they did. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of being Disney is if you can, if you can fail upward, people will just forget about it and you keep the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Very sad way of putting it, but a good way of putting it. <laughs> the other thing that for me, again, that I, I didn't necessarily, again, I don't want to say that I didn't like it because it's it's something that just kind of stuck out to me that I, I didn't mm-hmm. take as like a great thing was the very Lin-Manuel Miranda-ness of the songs, which I mean, that's, uh, yes. that's what people are paying if, if they're paying money at all to go see this. That's what people are, are there for, for the songs at least, <laughs> is if full, you full, know that Lin-Manuel Miranda is there you're there to hear Lin-Manuel Miranda songs. You're not going, right. you're not going to uh, a Neil Diamond concert and you're going to ask <laughs> him to play um, Green Day or something, you know? <laughs> full, full disclosure, I had no fucking clue he wrote any of the songs. I'm not that kind of nerd that's fully invested into the ins and outs who wrote it, whatever. Once I learn, I, I kind of like learn it and then forever goes into my brain compartment and can pull that information if need be. But I don't go looking for who wrote, who sang, who composed on, on anything from movies to TV shows to comic books. If I hear about it and it's some, you know, some dude who's, who's egregious, like 
the creator of Earthworm Jim is a total douchebag. Uh, cool. I'll make sure to stay away from it if I ever see his name pop up. But but yeah, that's that's what calls me in is the 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 not to take away from the art, but the final product is what pulls me in. I'm I'm your I'm your everyman nerd. I uh, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I forget how that finishes because it would make me look good. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, so with that being said, the the soundtrack was phenomenal, whether you're looking for him or not. I know that you, I know you said you have your, your gripes on that, though. But uh, which what, what were those again? Sorry. Uh, so some of the gripes I had was, was just uh, some of the the like compositions of the songs. Just they felt very recycled from like Hamilton or Moana mm. or other things that he's right. done. And then again, he just he has his type like uh like if you listen to the green album of Weezer and the blue album of Weezer, you're going to be like, okay, I get what you're doing here. You're doing, you're doing intro chorus, second verse, chorus, guitar, solo chorus done. It wash, rinse, repeat every song on the album. They're different, but they're the same. Right. It's like there, there's a structure to a Lin-Manuel Miranda song. And even though it sounds different, you can see, you can hear it. You can see it. And yeah. I, I think it's, I'm not again. It's I'm not a signature saying, essentially. Exactly, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that I didn't like it. The only song mm-hmm. I really that didn't resonate with me, which I can see why people like it, is the Surface Pressure song by Louisa. I just yeah. the tempo of it and everything just didn't click with me. But I can understand where people really enjoy it, and the the lyrics are fantastic. The sequence is fantastic. It just the if you take the song as it is and you remove everything else around it. I just I wouldn't pick that song to listen to on a regular basis. Uh, right. the, the Family Madrigal I would listen to. My oh, I have yeah, listened to amazing. several times because among other things, my kids are like, "We need to listen to this one." <laughs> it it, ma- it makes me want to dance. I'm not gonna, and I'm not a dancer, but it it, it, <laughs> it brings out it brings out that side of me. It just wants to. I'm one of those that enjoyed. I enjoyed every single sound uh, 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 piece of the soundtrack. Um, so like I have no qualms there. Uh, on your first analogy, your your problem there is that you listen to Weezer. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> uh, but uh, in any case, like I, I get what you're saying. You're saying you want to destroy my sweater. Well, just hold this thread and walk away. What happened? Uh, you okay? You really just you really just added me as a really bad Weezer fan. They do that sweater song like "If you want to destroy my sweater." <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Way to ruin my joke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just hold uh, this thread as I walk keep... away, okay? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> as I pull this one. As you still don't get the joke. <laughs> I, I do I do get it. I just have nowhere to go with it. <laughs> Those are the best jokes, the ones you can't run with. Nah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I pull the thread as I pull the sweater or whatever the fuck. Uh, I hate Weezer so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nope, it's absolutely fine. I, I again grew up. I was teen when they were big, so they they kind of just became a big thing in in my circle of people that I knew, and so I I know a bunch of their songs. No, that's that's good. It is it's in your timeline. That's that for my timeline was Green Day with Dookie. So, but it, it um, and, uh, blah, 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 music and Encanto. Um, <laughs> yeah, the um. I love the whole album. Um, the the Luisa sequence I can get because it really it does really shy away from everything else. It's got that 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 hip hop beat to it, which 
Apparently, Lin-Manuel did that in... Um, uh, Hamilton? Uh, Hamilton, thank you. Why I keep... Why, I don't know why I keep forgetting <laughs> the damn name. It's because um, you haven't seen it yet. Again, it's fantastic. I haven't seen it yet. See exactly, it. yes. I haven't seen it yet. But I can see I can see why. Like, it takes away from everything else. Uh, but, like, it was still... Yeah, the sequence was amazing. My main my main gripe with the movie, like I said, I think would be the pacing. It just... It just it wants to do so much in, in, in 90 minutes or so. Uh, there's a lot of jumping around. Like the main, the main one, for example, is um, you know getting to Bruno's room. Like nice long sequence, getting there, build up. Oh my God, great, cool. You get to see him on the inside. He says "sana sana culito de rana," which is a very big like South American thing for when you get hurt and you want to make. Sure it's, sorry, I'm gonna go into rants on that. Uh, but it was awesome. Again, representation matters. And then that was a long sequence. And then all of a sudden, cool, the first thing you have to do is, oh, you have to make amends or, or, or hug it out with your sister. And that was boom in, boom out, done. Like three minutes, that sequence. Like, what just happened? Yeah, it was literally just an excuse to get a song out. It was just really strange. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the pacing was really off for me. Not by much, but it, but it, but it was off at times. Besides that, that's really my only complaint about it. Um, I don't, uh, I, I didn't see any any disconnects really much anywhere. There's a lot of little things that if you if you go back and see it, which I know I haven't, but you know I I'm on the internet. I'm a nerd, so I get on Reddit and see other people's opinions and the stuff that they found. Like when, like when they're uh, I don't know if you saw this when they're singing about Bruno. You know, you want to talk about Bruno, he's up there in the rafters somewhere in Casita, kind of hopping up and down to the beat. That's him. Like, he's there <laughs> as, as yeah, uh, um, because he's, you know, he's in he's in the walls. He wants to stay away from the family, but he's always watching. He wants to be a part of the family because he loves his family. What was the other one? Uh, God, there was another big one. I was like, oh, snap, that's right. I did see that, uh, but, I, but I forget what it was. Uh, but, yeah, just lots of little attention to details like that that, that I loved about the damn movie. Um, even if you didn't catch it on your first go, like you knew subliminally that it, that it was there based on how they built and put everything together. So yeah, just all love for the movie. Uh, pacing was eh uh, on, on some portions. Uh, the heartstring moment was a bit forced, but it worked, so I can't take anything away from that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my likes and dislikes. The movie. So again, callback. I was right from the get-go. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I like the movie. Go watch it. Yeah, the the Bruno twist I think was a bit telegraphed. I I I don't know if they were intentionally overplaying his sinisterness in the song, but the minute they started having all these songs about Bruno being just the worst and reveling in uh, his fortune telling being awful, I was like, oh, so he's going to be misunderstood. Everyone's going to think that he's manipulating circumstances into these awful futures when he's just reading the future it's not like he's intentionally making these futures happen yeah i i did i personally didn't make that connection uh but i know when they when she found the secret uh the secret hole that lead, led to his room uh his second room i should say his hidden room uh as soon as i saw that i'm like oh we're gonna see bruno the minute he started running away from her it's like oh he's misunderstood like that's <laughs> so yeah it was kind of telegraphed to me not from beforehand from everything you told, uh, talked about but then as soon as he started explaining more of who he was and his character and what he's capable of that's when it really like ding that, that was the moment call me slow because <laughs> it's true uh but uh but yeah no i, I see where the telegraph thing comes in I, I definitely didn't sense it that early but once once they started throwing it at it like oh here we go he's he's not a bad guy yeah, I got Ralph. I always, whenever I say that now, you're not a bad guy. You're just a bad guy. <laughs> so yeah, the the Bruno thing I did want to touch on really quick. Bruno, uh, voiced by John Leguizamo of all people, 
his stuff is heartbreaking because yeah like you're saying earlier he really wants to be part of the family and I, i'm gonna have to go back and watch at least the we don't talk about bruno sequence before i go to bed I'll here because uh, yeah i want to i want to keep a, a weathered eye and see if i can't find him back there his whole thing is heartbreaking too because you can kind of see that mirabelle could end up like Bruno where she's kind of outcast from the family mm-hmm. despite how badly she wants to be a part of it and she has nowhere to go so she would just end up living in the casita uh, in secret essentially yep when he has that one plate on the other side of the peephole outside of the the dinner table God, that, that was oh that was just heartbreaking that hurt yeah man you see her, you're like, oh, no, Bruno, come here. Come here for a hug, man. Bruno, you can sit at my table. It's fine. <laughs> right, man. Oh, that was heartbreaking when I saw that. So uh, I think that'll kind of wrap it up for us where it's late for us, or at least it's late for me. I don't know how late Lewis really stays up, but he's got a no kid in the house. So maybe he'll play some video games or finally watch Hamilton. Who knows? No, it's, it's Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> time, man. That, that game's amazing. Go play that, too. Let me borrow your copy when you when I can, and I'll I'll sure. play it. I'm still trying to play through uh, Halo: Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I, I I can't. Every time I, I pull it up, it's like 11:30 at night. It's like I don't want to get in wrapped up in a campaign and go to sleep at 1 a.m. So multiplayer, die for 30 minutes and go to bed. <laughs> I can't do I can't do multiplayer games like that anymore. I am I am beyond that. Uh, not in the sense of like I'm better than it. I just can't handle it anymore. I just would get too frustrated and I don't want to be that way in front of my kids. That's, that's expected. <laughs> that's expected. So yeah, you're, you're probably doing, doing good there. Uh, it's, it's for after bedtime, man. So you're gonna have to find yourself uh, 45 minutes after you just find the strength to stay awake and, and have at it. No, I don't have that's that kind I of do. strength. I need my, I need my sleep. You know? Yeah. You never have, man. You've always been a grandpa <laughs> I've been an old man since I was like 26. I, I, I prefer <laughs> yes, my sleep. You have. <laughs> yes you have i can i can attest to that uh people i can attest to that. <laughs> well lewis unless you come back for the next segment i appreciate your time i appreciate you taking the time i appreciate your story that you told about uh you and your your kiddo that's that is honestly part of the reason why i had you on is i i really wanted you to share that because no one's reading an 18 tweet thread of you and your kid so <laughs> you <counted>. maybe <laughs> 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 maybe maybe they'll yeah. listen to a, a 30 minute segment or 40 minute segment of us talking about Encanto and how great it is yeah. and, and if I could again I know I, I touched on a few be- beats just to be funny about it but like truly guys like representation matters doesn't matter where it's coming from you know bl- black Latino Asian so on and so forth like seeing something that makes sense especially to a young a young child you know with my with my son I'm the only one that can give him Spanish trying to have him speak it uh it's it's been very hard english is definitely his dominant dominant language um he doesn't see a lot of his background is when he talks to abuela on the on the phone through facetime every now and again it's great when she comes to visit once a year when it's not a pandemic which means now it's it's once every other year so far uh you know it's, it's he gets that experience but there's nothing there for him to to realize who he is he's already told me word for word uh, here, here we speak English, not Spanish. I'm like, no, dude, we 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 speak both. Yeah, trust me. And to see that evoked in him, watching this movie, was f- just mind blowing for me. And same thing. Imagine Miles Morales, superhero, some some not just some a uh, uh, a black a black child, but imagine if it's a Latino Afro child. Like that's that's a double whammy that that Miles is meant for. So it. Just seeing them like, oh my god, I can be a hero too. That stuff matters whether you think 
one way or the other. It really does. Um, and uh, hell, you're from the South. You see someone's represented well from the South. That makes you giddy, right? Same damn thing. So I'll leave it at that. Representation matters. Go watch the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I'd love to be back as as, as many times as, as I can be capable of. It brought me back for my podcast, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I told you we'll bring you back into the Talking Smack banner. But, no, uh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> All you got to do is say uh, idiots under the Talking Smack Network or whatever the <laughs> Jelly Bean oh. Family Network or whatever we're doing. Oh, how, how far I have fallen. Which very high. <laughs> I, I fell from like a foot. A, a foot's being generous. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, I... I'll take Honestly, some ice I, I, burn. <laughs> I love your webcomic. I, that, I miss that all the time. I miss seeing your yeah, updates so, on that. So uh, but I. no, to, to just kind of reiterate, that is, again, part of the reason why I wanted Lewis on today was because representation does matter. And I, I would have discussed Encanto either way because I love animated movies. I love animated movies that make you feel things. But after seeing what he had mentioned with his kid and how the the reaction and the emotion that it evoked out of him it really just lends to talking about how representation matters and what kids see in themselves in these movies and that's why we are seeing different kinds of casting choices that upset some mm-hmm. people because they aren't white in Johnny Storm isn't white or Johnny Storm isn't black in the comics why can't why does he have to be black in in the upcoming movie because his whiteness doesn't matter so mm-hmm. why why can't this black why can't black kids see themselves in this cool superhero that can turn himself on fire? Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Why 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 does a Latino character have to be a gangbanger? Why can't he be the the good guy? You know why so on and so forth. So yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So uh, again, Lewis, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing that story. And representation matters. And we're going to take a quick break. We are still continuing our project of having ads put in between our segments so (laughs) please enjoy this (laughs) you you have ads (laughs) no i just i don't know why that tickled me but that tickled me but continue yes sell out (laughs) (laughs) hey we're promoting other podcasts okay we're not selling out i'm not getting paid for this this is this is a legit like project that we're we're doing to kind of boost each other up. I retract my guffaw. Carry on. Thank you. <laughs> Feel bad about this when you go to bed, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be right back on the other side of this break. I'm Dan. I'm Lou. And together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics. Some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out. Don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor and Good Pods. Welcome back, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed that ad spot from our friends at the Cultworthy Podcast. We're going to dive right back into our subject this week, which is properties ripe for a reboot. We're going to come back with, I believe this is Alex's next one. Uh, this one's actually really interesting. I, I have some things to say about this because it has been rebooted a few times, but in comics, it hasn't ever actually come back in any kind of meaningful way in other mainstream avenues so alex let us know why you think batman beyond needs a reboot it needs to be a proper trilogy a movie trilogy now the original series i love i invested way too much time in it um it was actually my my spouse actually introduced it to me because for some reason i had fallen off of watching batman and then she, she mentioned 
you've never seen Batman Beyond? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then we were catching them sporadically on Saturday mornings. And then I believe we saw them on Cartoon Network and then bought the DVDs and watched them all. And then bought the Return of the Joker movie that they did for it. And I love Batman Beyond. And I have been complaining for years that like, Michael Keane's getting old. He needs a proper movie trilogy with Batman Beyond. We need Terry McGinnis. And we need to have the Jokers and old lady Harley Quinn. And this is Batman Beyond is set about 20, 30 years after Batman the Animated Series, the cartoon is. And basically, Batman has had to retire because the strain on his body was so much was giving him heart palpitations. And if he ever got back into the the escalation of his bad guys where they were all having like different kinds of tech used against him. He eventually had to build himself a power suit that was such a drain on his body. It gave him heart issues. And if he, he said at one point, if I ever get on the suit again, I will die. Everything's kind of gone into this kind of techno future. The villains have kind of disappeared. The, the Joker is gone. He's basically defeated all of his villains and the Joker gain is now just kind of like this random gain that floats around that like, doesn't even know what the Joker really is. But Terry McGinnis, this high school kid, finds the Batcave because he gets chased there. Old Bruce Wayne scares him off. And he's like, listen, if if villains are reemerging again, you're going to take my guy. And here's this super advanced suit. And basically, Batman becomes Alfred to Terry McGinnis. And it's this power dynamic struggle of Batman being super serious because we have Batman the Animated Series and Kevin Conner still being him versus this young teenage, not Robin, this young teenage Batman who is very different and wants to fight in his own way and wants to run his mouth and wants to be a definitive different version of what is Batman. And we do start to get some of the rogues gallery come back and stuff like that of Batman. To me, the culmination of how different Terry McGinnis is and the meshing of the personality of Bruce Wayne as an old man and Terry McGinnis as this kind of wisecracking young Batman is when they did the super dark storyline of the return of the Joker where you find out that part of the reason Batman retired was one of his Robins got kidnapped by Batman and Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn's a psychopath (laughs) and mind corrupted him into believing that he's the child of her and the Joker and broke him mentally. And basically that is one of the things that caused Batman to retire because once they subdued that and he took care of the Joker and, and, and Harley Quinn, Robin kind of was like, I'm doing off doing my own thing. I think he actually is like, he repairs like cell phone towers or something like that. The Joker reemerges inside of him. And we have Mark Hamill as the Joker. Now, Terry McGinnis has to fight this Joker. And he's fighting him like Bruce Wayne tells him to. Because Bruce Wayne's in his ear telling him, fight him like this, do like this. And finally, Terry McGinnis is like, no, I'm going to fight him my way. And so what he starts doing is he starts telling the Joker jokes. And he starts laughing at his own jokes. So much so that the Joker gets angry and then he's and then Terry McGinnis is like so this is what happened this is what it was this is why you hated him he never laughed at your jokes and so he's just mocking him and frustrates him so much into making mistakes that he subdues him and brings back this version of Robin and defeats the Joker and I think that if you do a proper movie trilogy with old man Michael Keaton because they're finally bringing you know bringing him back he's like in his late 60s going to be early 70s you do a proper trilogy and you show this retired Michael Keaton Batman with a proper casting of a good Terry McGinnis and you end the trilogy with yes fine we'll bring back the damn Joker but you are able to caps you're able to basically kind of just recreate 
the cartoon arc and actually have the final battle be Terry McGinnis laughing at the Joker of this version. I mean, you know, Jack Nicholson is still alive. You could probably pull him in, but it wouldn't want to do that. Want to bring back Mark Hamill and at least do the voice work for it. Even have Mark Hamill be that version of Robin, which would be interesting. I think it would work. And I think that would be a proper send off to the story that is, that could that is being told in Batman and Beyond, but also a proper send off for Michael Keaton retiring his Bruce Wayne. I, I really like this idea of rebooting Batman Beyond into a movie franchise. They've rebooted Batman Beyond several times in the comics since like 2012. I mean, they obviously know people are are there for the franchise. It's just that they're so afraid of breaking away from Bruce Wayne as Batman that I don't know that it would ever actually happen, but I would be all for it. No, 100%. I'm totally down with that. I, I love Batman Beyond watching it as growing up. And if you could do that, and like I like your idea of having Mark Hamill just play the old version of Robin and do his craziness because, you know, he'll do it. He's crazy. Oh, yeah. I think I think that would be great. I would be one of those people in the theater, like just, oh my god, oh my god, Mark Hamill, oh my god, and just to hear him have that voice and just that laugh, it would be like just mind blowing. I think I could actually see a trilogy being like origin story, Return of the Joker, and then you close it out with um, there's a Justice League Unlimited episode where it takes place a little bit further in the Batman Beyond future, uh, where Terry is like, I'm done being Batman, I'm done with Bruce. And it's revealed that Terry's DNA is actually half Bruce Wayne because Mar- uh, Amanda Waller was trying to create a new Batman. And she was like, you can't create a new Batman without tragedy. So she was going to have uh, the Phantasm, if anyone's familiar with that from Batman Mask of the Phantasm, kill Terry's parents. And then Bruce Wayne would take him in as a new ward. But the the Phantasm kind of caught on to what was happening and she decided she wasn't going to do it. And so Terry had his own life to live and still eventually found a way to become Batman. But he was a different Batman because of the upbringing with his family. I didn't know about that. It's a really good episode. It's fantastic. Terry kind of comes to terms with the fact that like the dad he knew is not his biological father, but he's still his dad. So it's kind of got that surrogacy, like chosen family kind of idea. Um, but it's a really good episode. And uh, I mean, it's Justice League Unlimited is a fantastic series. So that, that it's anything adapted from that should be good. Isn't that the one where you find out uh, like Hot Girl and Green Lantern have a son? There's one where they go into the future. And I know like Terry McGinnis is there. Yes. Yeah. Cause he's, he's having, he's Green Lantern, John Stewart is dating um, uh, Vixen. And then he finds out that he and Hot Girl have a girl, have a child in the future. And so he comes back and he's all conflicted. He's like, well, I'm, I, I'm with Vixen, but apparently I'm supposed to be with Hawk Girl. So it, it, that, again, interesting stuff, cool concept stuff. Um, but yeah, Batman Beyond in any kind of movie or live action would be great. Alex, who, <clears throat> Alex, who would you see as an ideal Terry McGinnis? I don't know. That's the problem is that Will uh, Friedle's voice is so ingrained in my head, especially since he was doing it, that voice when he was still on... Um, uh, Boy Meets World or right after that that I can't you have to have somebody who has the believability of still being a teenager so you got to go really early 20s but the charisma of somebody who any way we can de-age Ryan Reynolds like proper <laughs> de-age to, uh, um, what is it two girls a guy in a pizza place I know that it's going around that people want 
Dylan O'Brien cast as Nightwing in the new DC universe with the Batman and everything. Uh, but I think Dylan O'Brien could make a pretty good Terry McGinnis as well. Maybe he's a little too short, but again, you can fix that. Michael Keaton's like five foot eight, but Batman's supposed to be six foot two. I like that. Yeah. Uh, he's the um, one from Maze Runner, right? Yeah. He's the Maze Runner kid. Yeah. He could, he could work. He's pretty ageless too. I think he's entering his early thirties, but he still looks like he's like 22, 24. I know he wasn't doing too much acting for a while. I remember he like broke his leg or something on one of the sets of the last Maze Runner movies and like they delayed it by like a year because of that. It was like super bad or something like that. So he hasn't really done much since then. So I mean, I could see it. I mean, the obvious answer is staring us in the face. It's Chris Pratt. (laughs) Obviously. I'm going to bring it back one more time because it's the rule of three in comedy. So one more time in these next few. Going to jump right into the next one. Scotty is one of yours. It is uh, a TV show that I lovingly call Jurassic Stargate or Stargate Jurassic. I'm not sure. I can't remember at this point anymore, uh, but it is the former Fox TV show Terra Nova. Absolutely. So good. So, so good. Why did they cancel? They're stupid. I'm sure the I budget was, it was just like out there. It, it was probably just a really expensive show, among other things. This is one of the ones, too, where because it is so so many moving parts to it, you literally would either have to do what I think would work better as an animated show. A little bit. You can have it a little bit more adult animated style. Kind of like, I mean, Netflix is going crazy right now with I keep saying Netflix, like because apparently they're the best at everything. But even though they're not, they're very good at like their adult anim- animation. Like I know Blood of Zeus was like a really very dark anime, but it was very well done. I think something just more mature. I almost want to say in that like Batman style of like Bruce Tim. That's the name Bruce Tim, right? I yeah, think. Bruce Bruce Tim. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would work as like kind of an art style almost, but just because there's so much going on, it'd either have to be a TV show or an animation. Because I mean, just there's so many storylines and the cliffhanger they left it on frustrates me because it could have been so damn good. But no, I, I think if you get someone that's recognizable enough, like if you want to make it a show, you can you can change things up. Give me Simu Liu. He was amazing in Shang-Chi. And I think he could carry like if you want to make it a like a, a movie franchise, you could try and just it would have to you'd have to change a lot, obviously. But I think if you want to throw it out there like, hey, let's do a TV or movie about this and we'll do like a trilogy of it. And here's just like three different sectors of, you know, we'll have to shorten storylines and change some things but they barely touched anything and there's limitless possibilities what you could have done with that i mean i'm even okay with even stefan lang as the villain I mean, he was fantastic see i said it right alex this time <laughs> stefan lang does make a good bad guy he's he's the uh the american version of mads mickelson okay so i have a quick question about terra nova since i think i watched two episodes and then bailed is it basically being remade right now as la brea from what I understand about La Brea is it's kind of like an involuntary journey to the center of the earth where um, this woman or a bunch of people fall into a pit and it kind of transports them back to the Cretaceous period or like a hollow earth kind of thing. Like in Congress is Godzilla where uh, like this lost world of dinosaurs exists built beneath in this tar pit or wherever she fell. Whereas in Terra Nova as a way to combat overpopulation they develop time travel and they create settlements in the past to kind of alleviate the pressure of overpopulation. But there is uh, kind of like Avatar. There's a, an evil corporation with um, sorry, motives. 
Yeah, your ulterior motives. motives. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. So yeah, there, there's there's uh just there's intrigue and uh, suspense. I, it's funny because I think you're the one who recommended me to watch it too, and I was but like, all right. My old roommate Ben and I we we watched that show religiously just because partly partly because we had that nickname of Jurassic Stargate, and also because it it was genuinely intriguing. It just it couldn't deliver on everything that it was trying to do at the time because budgetary constraints and everything. Jason O'Mara was the lead. I thought he was great. Like, I mean, he was I, I don't mind him as an actor. He's not like an A-lister by any means, but like he's still very good. The cliffhanger leaves on they they find like a ship. Is that what they do? Like out in the desert, they find like a ship or something. I haven't thought about this show in what is it, 2022? I haven't thought about this show in about 10 years. So I don't remember. I'm pretty sure they find like a ship and that's like, oh no, what happens? Canceled. That's what happened. The item Mira retrieved is revealed to be an 18th century ship's prow with no clues as to how it arrived in Terra Nova or what else may lie in the Badlands. There we go. And much like Terra Nova, we'll leave it on that cliffhanger and truck, <laughs> truck right along. So the next one we've got going on here is one of mine. I know there is currently an online, uh, an MMORPG based around this concept, but the Knights of the Old Republic, I think we need to either reboot the franchise. I know there's a remake in the works, but I do think we need a proper third game or just rebooting it and telling a new story. It doesn't have to be a continuation. It doesn't have to tie into the other games. I just think that the Knights of the Old Republic is a really great game. And the Star Wars universe just has so many periods of uh, eras that you can play in. You can tell great stories of Jedi versus Sith and uh, you can do political intrigue as well. It just there's a lot of stuff that you could do in a really well-built RPG. I like that. I've never actually played the games, which I know, shock. I've always wanted to, and I plan on when they do do the remake, I'm going to pick it up and play it. But can I have one button that just says, do it <laughs> every time? That's, that's all I'm asking for, Josh. That's all I want. I mean, I'm all for it, but you got you to gotta talk to the developers about that one. Is that like the... Um... Uh, Ash Williams Evil Dead one-liner button is that one? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you think about it how big the galaxy is and obviously that the, the Knights of the Republic is telling one big story but there's other stuff going on I mean this is like what the the height of the the Jedis and all that good stuff so I mean there's got to be other stories you can tell I mean it's Star Wars is such like a limitless universe where just everything can happen like they don't have to intertwine. It doesn't have to be. You can make nods like, oh, hey, did you hear about that? Was it Revan was the big guy in that one? Exactly. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Revan was uh, the main bad guy in uh, the first Knights of the Old Republic. Probably one of the coolest helmets, too, that I've seen. I know your favorite Boba Fett's up there, but I know you love him so very much. Uh, improv demands that I agree with you, but my hate of Boba Fett cannot allow it. See, the reason why I'm interested in this is that I actually have been off and on playing star wars the old republic since launch day so we're hitting on what nine years now ten years and they basically have done everything they can to make it a proper continuation of knights of the old republic one and two including revan i think that was the second expansion they released was was about revan star wars it I, while I'm in mostly enjoying the Book of Boba Fett, I have no interest in the Osaka show, and I have no interest in the Knights of the... I mean, um, the, 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 the one followers of the Republic or whatever the heck they're doing. I want a Star Wars show that is away from anywhere within the Skywalker saga. 
send me 30 years in the future, send me a thousand years in the past, but I need to get away from the compulsion of the creators to acknowledge that Darth Vader existed. <laughs> I don't really care about the Obi-Wan show. I don't really care. I, I need something more to invest me in this series and the night and the old Republic. You could have a thousand Jedi and a thousand Sith battle. You could even explore the original like founding of Mandalore or something. You could do something beyond just, yeah, Skywalker is eventually going to show up and save the day or screw it up. And that is what I, what interests me about it. Cause that is actually what calls me back over and over to playing uh, the old Republic, even as the single as the greatest single player MMO ever created, apparently, because that's the way the game is actually intended to be played is solo. <laughs> There's a story here that doesn't, that doesn't acknowledge or call to anything that has been filmed for a movie. Yeah. And I like the, the ability to be independent of the established franchise as well. Uh, it just, it offers a lot more freedom and you can tell different stories that won't impact continuity because everyone is so concerned about continuity. With that, we will move into our last property ripe for a reboot. And this one was actually a little bit of a surprise to me, but I, I like where, where his head is at with this. Uh, that would be Spider-Man, the animated series from Scotty. And the 90s one is what we're referencing here. So if X-Men can get a reboot, not even a reboot, a continuation, whatever you want to call it after all these years, why not one of the best Spider-Man series ever? It's like, I grew up with it. I love. I had all the toys, everything. It was my favorite thing. I love the guy, the actor who plays Spider Man. Although sometimes, I mean, his emotions are kind of all over the place. But that's it's what it was. Nineties. That's what it felt like. And if if you can continue the X Men series, why not give the Spider Man show follow up on more of those storylines that you didn't necessarily get to finish? The X Men series that last season was awful. You know the whole oh yeah, Jean's back. Don't we're not gonna tell you how. It was just ignore it. Just ignore it. That was awful so i'm glad they're actually getting continuation that way i want to see what more they could do with peter parker you can pick it up right where they left off they can pick it up a few years later and maybe say introduce miles morales have like a secondary thing where you can kind of like hey this peter's been through a lot he knows a lot you know, we've we've seen the multiverse with him we've seen all these different things let's have someone else like him showing the next generation so showing miles morales everything you could even like have it halfway through where towards the end of a season he dies or something like kind of like the ultimate comics and go on with the miles morales show in that same kind of style i think that would be quite interesting but i just want to see more of it first of all i appreciate you saying it's one of the best spider-man series because the best is spectacular uh so i appreciate you being humble with your choice there uh <laughs> it has a good theme song but it's not gonna be the the wild spider-man spider it's not that it's not it's good the argument with you on Twitter, I've already seen. We're talking about how there's someone, I can't remember who it was, says the animation was awful. That, honestly, you said it was good, and I watched it. I loved it. The animation was just like, I'm like, this is kind of okay. It's, it's a choice. It's The art style is a choice, and I, I think it works really well, but I do admit that there is an adjustment period. I didn't like it at first either, but the story really grips you, and it eventually just kind of, you forget about the art, really. Uh, I, I But I, I, it is a choice. It's kind of like, Batman the Animated Series a little bit where it is more stylized. Uh, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes is another example where, again, it's more stylized. It's not just kind of photorealistic put into animation. But one fun fact that I do have for you about Spider-Man the Animated Series from the 90s, Spider-Man never actually throws a punch. 
he is always lifting hmm. and throwing people or he's webbing people, but he never actually punches anyone. That was actually a stipulation from the Fox uh, censorship board or executives or something. Interesting. We'll bring him back. We're up to date. Let him punch people. Now, who would you bring as the voice actor? I'm assuming you would bring the best voice actor to ever do Spider-Man, Neil Patrick Harris. You know, it's funny. I was thinking that too, but I, I want <laughs> nineties if they can bring the people back from x-men to do it again the ones that are still alive bring him back i know there wasn't there i, I thought i saw some rumors about him showing up in the the sony the spider uh the miles morales show movie yeah there's the a bunch of fan rumors going around that um his name is christopher daniel barnes there's a bunch of rumors that he'll come in as well as josh keaton will come in for across the spider-verse I don't know that any of that's true. It would be nice, but it's also not necessary. Uh, the one thing I will say that um, I don't feel that this is something that is ripe for a reboot is the passing of Ed Asner, who was J. Jonah Jameson in the series. Yeah, mm. that, I, I remember seeing that. And just that was tears to my eyes on that one. He was, he was J. Jonah Jameson. That's like J.K. Simmons live action. It's like, wow, this is the projection of Ed, Ed Asner. Like that's, that's what I see. It's just the voice isn't the same, but it's the same energy, all that jazz. It's I don't know who you do. I mean, maybe try and get J.K. Simmons to do it just as best as I, I feel can. like J.K. Simmons would be the only one that could, or at least the one that I would accept. Um, another fun fact about yeah. Christopher Daniel Barnes, who uh, again voices Peter Parker, Spider Man. He is Prince Eric in 1989's Little Mermaid. What? Yeah, I was wow. listening. I was I was watching that recently with my kids, and I, I was just like that. There's there's a a resonance that is hitting me in my nostalgia and I don't know what it is. And it's not for the little mermaid. I enjoy the little mermaid, but it's not this that is hitting my nostalgia right now. So I looked it up and sure enough, Peter Parker is also Prince Eric. And then for some reason, even though this guy is a, a pretty well-known and hardworking voice actor, when they did the little mermaid direct to video DVD or uh, direct to video sequel, they recast Eric with, um, Oh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Rob something. He's Yakko from the Animaniacs. Paulson? Paulson? Yes, Rob Paulson. And it's completely huh. night. And it is such a such a disjointed. Like, how does Eric go from that to that? How does he go from Spider-Man to Yakko? We could always recast every voice actor with Gilbert Godfrey. I was assuming we were just going to recast uh, Spider-Man or J. Jonah Jameson with Chris Pratt. Thank you. I was just about to bring that back. <laughs> yes, I stole it. <laughs> uh, Chris Pratt is everything. Is everyone? He, he's going to play. I, I heard he's going to be in uh, Passion of the Christ too. <laughs> if we ever want to come up with a, a whole podcast on a movie oh, that Lord. shouldn't be made but should, I want a Passion of the Christ two or retelling a Passion of the Christ with the cast of the Expendables. Oh my God! <laughs> Josh pilot. has muted himself, so you can't see him rubbing his forehead and laughing right now. <laughs> I, I will accept this only if Terry Crews gets to play Jesus. I, I'm fine with that, but give me Sylvester Stallone. Oh, what do I gotta do? It's uh, he's the the crowd loves it. They want him to die. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, but Pontius oh. Pilate has to be played by Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Bruce Willis, yeah. He's just uh, so he just doesn't care. I don't I don't care. Kill him. It's fine. I'm only here to collect my money. Give me what Arnold. I was I was thinking Arnold as as Jesus. Honestly, the uh, Dante sins. Forgive them; they know not what they do. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, I love it. I, I think this is tomorrow. Get to the crucifixion. 
Uh, no. We're going to hell for this one. <laughs> God, this is all being cut out, right? Nope, this is staying in. Oh, this, is, this is good stuff. I've, I've been waiting for Scotty to cut one. Jason Statham can be Judas. <laughs> Oi. Oi. Where's my oh, 20 silver? Where's my silver? We're gonna, but it has to be like an overly action one, too. Somehow, Jesus Cruz has two machine guns as Jesus he. Cruz. Jesus Cruz. So we're recasting Jesus already as Tom Cruise? No, no. no. Harry. <laughs> the man's trying to kill himself with these Mission Impossible movies. He would probably literally get himself flogged for Harry. the role. Not Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is awful. I don't want him anywhere near this project. Okay. We're just sticking with the. Because we're taking this so seriously. Wait, hey, I, I want Chuck Norris as God, and it'll be. It'll be fine. And every everyone will love it. It'll be the number one selling movie of all time, Oscar worthy. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Unfortunate Meatloaf just passed away because I'm sure he would do a great soundtrack. <laughs> okay. So basically what we're doing here is we're doing we're Terry rebooting Cruz's the passion Jesus. of the Christ out of nowhere. This was not I, I only had nine <laughs> listed and we just ended with Spider-Man. Now all of a sudden we're rebooting the passion of the Christ. There's some days at work. I'm there for 10 hours and I have nothing else to think about. I'm like, you know what would be great? that <laughs> and then i do the voices and i'm like god why why am i not writing this down it's it's probably because people look at me like you're looking at me i'm like shut up please. i mean i we worked together for five years back when we worked at the game store so like i've heard some stories man like you talking about it was the badger just sitting in the mcdonald's parking or the mcdonald's drive through as you're waiting for your food and you're just having a conversation with yourself it's it's worse now when i'm with lewis i we sit there and just do random voices god i just want to be a voice actor so bad so i don't have to do anything else but that we're sitting there yelling at each other like carl weezer from jimmy neutron and i'm sure the people that are working on the store that's coming in next door where we work is just like these guys are so stupid (laughs) oh man carl weezer with his llamas i love it rob paulson as well it is all right (laughs) well with that oh my god they're making a fourth expendables movie that's filming right now Film it back to back. Oh, dear Lord. And I'm trying to picture who would be Matthew and who would be John the Baptist. And I do not like where this conversation's going. <laughs> Gotta have Jet Li in there somewhere. Oh, good Lord. Okay, I'm going to cut it off there. We're going to Jet, we're gonna Jet Li is Matthew. Here. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Dolph Lundgren oh. be John the Baptist. And Jesus is re- resurrected. Chris Pratt walks out and then everyone. <laughs> <laughs> now we're done. <laughs> There it is. We brought it back for a fourth time. Scotty broke the, the by three rule for comedy, but it was worth it. So thank you, gents. Alex, Scotty, thank you so much for joining me. Alex, you have no social media. Scotty, do you want to put any of your social media out there? I have a Twitter that I barely use and an Instagram I barely use. And I deleted Facebook because it's the devil. So yeah, uh, I mean, definitely. I think it's, I, I don't even remember what my Twitter handle is anymore. I think it's Isn't that it, Scott- Scotty don't know. Scotty don't know great reference if you don't know that considering it's been my entire life but you know it's Scotty spelled s-c-o-t-t-i i yes so thank you again um i'm at josh underscore scar you can follow the podcast at talking smack pod uh smack s-m-a-c you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com Again, don't forget to check out our friends at the Cult Worthy Podcast. They do great stuff. I like their stuff a lot, and it's really digestible. Most episodes are usually under 30 minutes. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Alex, who do we have for our theme music this week? We have the Passion of the, uh, uh, Passion of the Christ composer himself, John Debney, who's doing our remix. All right, well, roll that theme music, and everyone take care. <laughs>